Greetings. Greetings out there. This is Moorish Legacy Talk. And I am Frederick Jones Ill, the facilitator. And welcome to episode two of Moorish Legacy Talk. So in this episode, we're going to talk about evildoers and those who don't have any intention on doing right by our people in this movement, in the Moorish movement, all right, in the Moorish divine and national movement of the world. Alright, so that's what I'm going to talk about in this episode. So I'm going to start off by going into what my experiences have been in this movement with these types of individuals. Alright, starting off from when I first came in, which was about 10 years ago, leading all the way up till the present day. And then I'm going to get into... Uh, who some of the individuals are or were, what some of their practices were, and how I was able to navigate around that. And I'm also going to talk about what some of the red flags were, what some what are some of the signs that certain ones should look for when they are encountering these people, and just how to navigate and maneuver around it. Alright, and then I'm also going to speak on some of the politics involved which is why you have certain ones who are low and the certain ones are low and it has nothing to do with the politics alright so that's just what I'm going to get into and um, I'm also going to say this as well before I start is first I told myself that I would never do a show on this topic simply because we already get enough of that in popular culture. We already get enough of what I call the mud slinging. And not that I'm slinging mud, but it could come off as being uh, mud slinging. So we already get enough of that in popular culture, in the mainstream media. You see enough of that type of thing going on, right? So I told myself that I would never dedicate an episode to this. But as of late, I've been telling myself I have to. I have to dedicate an episode to this. I have to inform the people. I have to let them know that it's not a fairy tale over here. The same things that you encounter or would encounter in the cares of the world, you're going to see the same things here in the conscious community. In fact, it's, I would say it's worse over here. You have more undesirables over here than you do out in the cares of the world. At least in my view, from what I've seen. Now, everybody may not share that portion, but me, from what I've seen and, and, and bear witness to and have experienced, I would say it's more prevalent over here. All right? So this is why I'm deciding to dedicate an episode to this where I'm going to get into scenarios I'm going to drop dates I'm going to drop names 
have a drive motives behind why some of the people do the things that they do all right um and i'm going to also explain why our movements really never go anywhere or never really go where they're supposed to go and it's largely because of these people all right and i'm also going to get into why people get turned off all right which is going to tie into and correlate with everything that I'm talking about here. Alright. Uh, so to start off. Of course um, I'm Frederick Jones Eel. And I came into the Moorish movement. Officially around 2009. Alright that's when I officially came into this. And I came into this by way of a brother by the name of Hutchinson. We used to call him Hutch from New York City, from Brooklyn, NYC. And he was a former FOI who turned Moorish American, all right, who, who started to subscribe to the teachings of the illustrious Prophet Noble Drew Ali, who was founder of the Moorish Science Temple of America and the Morris Divine and National Movement of the World, all right, also known as the MDMN. The MDNM, pardon me, Morris Divine National Movement. So how I met this individual was we was having a conversation one day. This is around 09. And we was talking about current events. Well, first we was talking about history. Some of our uh, ancient and illustrious history. All right. As so-called black people. And then we started talking about the various slave brandings. And we start talking about the N-word. And the brother's position was, we ain't that. Don't say that. That is profane language. And he was correct. And I thought. That he was correct then, just as right as I think he is right now, even though I didn't subscribe to the teachings of the illustrious prophet Noble Drew Ali then. But from a moral standpoint, I held the same positions as far as how we address one another. And one of them was using that word, all right, even though I wasn't in the temple. You understand what I'm saying? Because we know in the Moorish Science Temple of America, we reject the Negro, Black, and Colored brandings. So I rejected the N-word, you know, which is the nigger, nigga, and all derivatives. I rejected the usage of that terminology for, you know, just because I knew that it was, that it took our ancestors a long time to get people to stop calling us that, all right? And not for the same reasons that one who had subscribed to Noble Drali's teachings would. Until later, when I started to subscribe to the teachings, then I learned, like, man, well, I kind of already had the lessons without actually having the lessons. You understand what I'm saying? So, so back to the conversation. So when the brother said that we ain't that, we ain't Negro, Black, or Colored, I kind of understood where he was coming from because I thought that the N-word was profane myself. All right? And I would... Let brothers know, listen, usage 
of that word is unacceptable. And the thing about it is when you're out in the workplace, out in public, you know, whether you're at a park or recreational um, location or whether you're in an institution, whether you're in a library, a university, in the workplace, I noticed that other groups would, wouldn't care if we talked to each other like that. They wouldn't correct us, wouldn't stop us, no nothing. So it just kind of shows you that that people don't care for the most part if we debase each other. You see what I'm saying? So it's up to us to say, hey, listen, brother, man. But so back to what I was saying. So this was our conversation, me and the brother Hutchinson, about identity, the N-word. And the brother was saying that he used to be a FOI, handing out papers, then he uh, made the transition over to, again, the Moorish Science Temple of America and the illustrious Prophet Noble Drew Ali. The brother made the transition. So we start talking about Prophet Noble Drew Ali versus with the messenger, the messenger as in the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. We start talking about what he taught versus what Prophet Noble Drew Ali taught. And... You know, we came to the conclusion that we are an ancient people with a free national trace, with an identity that predates the Negro, black, and colored identity. And also, too, when the brother was saying that we ain't the N-word, and I was agreeing with him, but I was just trying to make him understand that no matter what we refer to ourselves as, we are, for the most part, always going to be known as the world over as that N-word. And not that I was promoting it, but I was just trying to let him know, don't lose sight of what the reality is. We know it's profane language. We know it's it's bad terminology. It's profanity. You know, we're in agreement there. But don't think that because we're rejecting it, that others are going to share that, you see? And I think he somewhat agreed with where I was coming from, but he was a little reluctant to give me acknowledgments on that. His thing was, we have control. So what we do, the rest of the world will follow suit. And I think that there is some validity to that. I mean, it's not that simple. It's not quite that simple, but there is some validity to that portion. All right. So this is where we were. This is what me, uh, myself and the brother Hutchinson was talking about. And he told me, before we ended the conversation, he's like, I want you to look up Prophet Noble Drew Ali when you get some free time. And that time came, and I did it. I looked up uh, where he, uh, the Divine Constitution and Bylaws. Well, I looked up Prophet Noble Drew Ali, and I just found some of his works, the Divine Constitution and Bylaws of the Moorish Science Temple of America, the Holy Quran of the Moorish Science Temple of America, the the Quran questions for Moorish children, also called Quran questions for Moorish Americans, also called the 101s, because it's 101 questions. Then, of course, I found the Moorish literature, which which isn't necessarily works. Well, the Moorish literature itself is not by Prophet Noble Drew Ali. However, what the Moorish literature consists of is is works that was authored by Prophet Noble Drew Ali during the time that he was on the scene. So it is 
by Prophet Noble Dwali, but it's not, if you understand what I'm saying. And these works were works that he had printed in the Moorish Guide, that he had published, rather, in the Moorish Guide newspaper during the time that he lived. All right? So, so that's the Moorish literature. And then there's the oral statements, all right, which are uh, supposedly statements that was made by uh, Prophet Noble Dwali when he was in the flesh. So I... So I had a chance to get my hands on his works through time, you know, through time. Not every single piece of what I just mentioned to you, uh, literature-wise, not every single piece in one day, but over time. And I had a chance to uh, YouTube some things. And then from there, I was off to the races. I was off to the races. This is like, uh, this is between 09 and let's say 2012. So we talking four years. Three years, pardon me. So we're talking three years. So in that time, in that time frame, I was able to visit some temples or places posing as temples. <laughs> but no knock because you got to start somewhere. So not every place that didn't have a temple, it doesn't. I'm not implying that their intentions wasn't well. I'm not implying that they didn't intend to actually have a building. And then you have some who whose intention is not to do that. You know, they're just fly-by-night moors peddling paperwork, and we'll talk about them, too, in this episode. All right, so I started uh, visiting temples between 2009 and 2012, and my first encounter with the actual Grand Sheik, who was holding meetings, I'll say that, because he didn't have a temple building, which is not really important, because if the person's heart is in the right place, it doesn't really matter. All right, so my first encounter with a Grand Sheik was a Grand Sheik by the name... Well, my first encounter with a Grand Sheik in the flesh was a Grand Sheik by the name of Elijah Bay, is what he was calling himself. And he was in the Kasadi Il body of Moors. Kasadi Il... As in Rasadi Il's son. Alright, so Kasadi Il is the son of Rasadi Il, which it's not surprising the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. And I'll and later on I'll uh expound more on why I say that. But anyway, this Grand Sheik uh Elijah Bay was in the Kasadi Il body. So Kasadi Il was the SGS, the Supreme Grand Sheik. And Elijah Bay was a Grand Sheik of one of the temples. In the Kasadiel body. So this brother Kasadiel was claiming to be an SGS. And he had his own uh, officers. Grand Sheik, Grand Governor, ETC, right? So, so the brother was holding meetings at the House of Consciousness in Norfolk, Virginia. I want to say Northampton Boulevard. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. And I just seen a flyer one day. One day I was in the House of Consciousness purchasing some books or looking for books to purchase. I think I had bought a book like a week prior and then I came back and I seen a flyer up that was saying uh, Moorish something. So I was like, oh, this is uh, the Noble Drew Ali uh, demo. Yeah, I'm going to be back. I'm going to proclaim. But see, I was going to see this is the thing. When you're listening to Taj, Taj as in Taj Tariq, 
day via YouTube, and then you hear him demonstrate about the temple. Your thought process is, is like, okay, I'm going to get rested. I'm going to complain. And then all my problems are going to be over. I'm not going to be afraid of the world anymore. thought process to listen to some of the things that the, that the elder more positively church says, then you get to the temple, it's different. It's, it's, a, it's like wearing like a black coat. It's almost like where you came from. It's almost like taking a step back and saying, I can't, this is what I'm punished for. Todd wants me to run through to this. But, you know, Todd is not promoting you know, what you learn further down the line, Todd is not promoting uh, the methodology of some of these corrupt leaders in the Masonic Temple. He's promoting the Masonic Temple of America as founded by founder prophets. Right? So let me be clear on that. So, but anyway, um, I see the flyer and I'm like, oh man, this is an overthrow. He's demonstrating, you know, my salvation. So the date for the meeting comes, and I'm, I was totally the brother was demonstrating like a Negro preacher. Okay, that's that's how he was demonstrating, like a Negro preacher, and. You know, I sat through it. I had to stomach it. I didn't really say anything t too much during the meeting. And when the meeting was done, and when I say meeting, I mean like, um, you know, when services are being held. It's like religious service, church service. But in the Moore Science Temple of America, we say meeting. You know, make your meeting. Open and close the meeting. So anyway... After the meeting was over, I went and spoke to the brother Elijah Bay. I had explained to him that I domiciled in Texas, not here, in Virginia where we are. And I'm only in Virginia on assignment for where I was working at the time. And does he have a point of contact uh, in Houston, Texas? And he did. He gave me the information to a brother by the name of, of Sheik Melchizedek. Hajar Il. Alright. And I got the contact information. And when I got home. I reached out to Sheikh Melchizedek. Told him. Uh, who and where I got his contact information from. And he explained to me. Yeah we're in the third war. Come on down. And I went. To. Uh, meet with the brother. I came down to the location. Where the brother had the temple. And we spoke. I explained to him how I came into the movement, who I listened to. And he was saying that this is not a Taj Tariq Bay <laughs> demonstration. That's the first thing a lot of these Sheik Divine Ministers like to say. That this is not a Taj Tariq Bay 
demonstration. Because a lot of us come into the movement, of course, listening to Taj, right? Cause, because at that time, not now, but at that time, if you were to YouTube a Moorish lecture or anything Moorish, that's who you would see. A lot of these sheiks, they really wasn't out there in the forefront like that. But what you would see is Taj. Like, Taj was really out working them. Now it's a little different. You know, you got more and more using the the YouTube platform to spread the message as far as how they think Moorish should be demonstrated, which I disagree with a lot of these um, Sheik Divine Ministers in the Moorish Science Temple of America, simply because... Not that, not that they're not practicing the religious doctrine the way that Noble Jali brought it. I don't have gripes with that. But my issue is that they're abandoning the civic portion of what Prophet Noble Jali brought, in my own opinion. I think they don't touch on that enough. I think they don't touch on the affairs of men enough because everything is not a religious demo and I think they push that too much almost to a point where some of them almost come off as radicals not envisioning the world in a rational sense sometimes so anyway so then when you would YouTube talk uh, Moorish you know Moorish Americans more Moorish more science temple of America ETC these hashtags, Taj is who you would see. You would see Taj, as in Taj Tariq Bay, for for those that didn't catch that. You would see uh, Hakeem Bay and his demo, which was called, if I'm not mistaken, I think Hakeem Bay called his demo the Moorish Paradigm. All right, so you would see Hakeem Bay and the Moorish Paradigm, Taj Tariq Bay, Wisdom of the Moors. And know the ledge, which is knowledge. You would see Grand Sheik Nature Il Bay at the time when him and Taj was was close. You would see Queen Valera Bay, also known as Queen Val. And these types. The these are the ones that you would see. And these are the ones that weren't in the temple because of how corrupt uh the temple is and because they're not seeing Noble Drew Ali's platform all the way through. All right, they've abandoned some pieces of it. So this is who you would see. So this so the Grand Sheik knew immediately that I was uh coming into this by way of Taj because they you know they know because they know somebody who's who was raised up in the movement and who's religious, overly religious, and somebody who comes and doesn't really know anything. And these are the ones that they really uh, harp on joining and becoming a part. And those that kind of have some type of information on Prophet Noble Drew Ali, not by way of one of the Sheik Divine Ministers, they look at that like, oh, this one here, he's he's more of a free thinker, he could be a problem. So this is how Melchizedek was looking upon me. So I was attending meetings with 
uh, Sheik Melchizedek Hajar Il. I don't really remember how long. It was over a period of time, though, over a period of some months, you know, two months, three months, maybe. And I still never was was offered to proclaim. And I was waiting for the Grand Sheik to say, all right, you going to proclaim. Now, you know that I'm in here to do just that, but you're not offering. And I'm the type where I'm not going to be begging and saying, hey, I want to do this when you already know what's up. Let's let's get to it. Let's get to the work. Let's stop playing. Right. So. So there came a time. When Sheik Melchizedek Hajar Il was like, all right, all new members. You're going to proclaim, but you have to call up. This line and put a code in, I think. That the way that they did it with that temple was in order to proclaim, you had to speak with the SGS, the Supreme Grand Sheik. So I'm about to get into this this uh, Kasadiel character guy, like I mentioned earlier. And he was the one that would actually, um, I guess, be a part of the ceremony or be a part of finding out who you were and if whether or not you could proclaim. Now, the Grand Sheik of your particular temple, he could petition on your behalf, but it was ultimately up to the SGS. This is how they was doing it in that particular grand body, which none of the other bodies do it that way, by the way. But this is what they were doing. So, so Grand Sheik Melchizedek was like, call this number. This is the code. It's going to be a conference call, and you are officially going to proclaim, and the SGS is going to be on the line. So I do what I call in and it was just, you know, they was just talking and they was saying, you know, I, I rise and I give perfect praise to the almighty God of law, Lord of the worlds, master of the day of judgment. I give honors to his prophet, last prophet in these days and times. So this is what they was doing on the line. So I was quiet, sitting idly by. I didn't interrupt. And the SGS one by one was going through. Well. He was talking to the different Grand Sheiks. And then the Grand Sheiks was saying, all right, well, I got so-and-so on the line. He wants to proclaim. This is how they was doing it. So when they got to me, I was like, man, look, you know, what's up with all of this? This is a bunch of shenanigans. You already know I want to do that. What is this? And the Supreme Grand Sheik, he just went the fuck off. He was like, you know, because I was saying something like, yo, man, I feel like y'all doing whatever. So he was like, I don't give a, you know. He said, yeah, I think he said, I don't give a fuck about how you feel. You telling me how you feel. I don't care how you feel. This is my movement. You are interrupting. You know, this how he was coming. So then he was like, I don't want you in this movement. He was talking like that. Like talking like, like he was talking like he was a godfather and, and, and I was one of his minions and whatnot. Like he was talking real saucy, real, real, real aggressive. So after he was done and I was about to respond, they disconnected me from the line. You know, they kicked me out the um out the chat. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. So then I don't remember if I spoke to the Grand Sheik, uh Sheik Melchizedek, not to be confused. With the Supreme Grand Sheik, which is Kasadiel. I don't remember if I spoke to Sheik Melchizedek um, right after that 
or if we spoke a few days later. But I know when we did talk on the matter, he had told me uh, not to worry about it. You know, he was like, you can't be doing that on the line. Like he was, he seemed to be in solidarity or he seemed to sympathize with the SGS. So I was just like, man, look, that shit is whack. You know, we doing all of this and it doesn't require all of that. You, you're the grand sheik of the temple. Why can't you just say, hey, this is a brother that I think is fit to be nationalized and boom. All that micromanaging, because this is what I was saying. I was saying to have the SGS involved in that is micromanaging, is micromanagement, whatever. So, you know, we talked and it was like he had his position, I had mine. But I could tell that he didn't like the SGS's methods, but he didn't want to come forth and say that, right? This is Sheik Melchizedek. So, so some time passed, man. I don't know if it was a month or and whatnot. And I and the uh, Grand Sheik reached out to me. He was telling me I'm not with uh, Kasadiel no more. I'm, I'm not under him no more. You know, I'm sorry for the way he talked to you on the line. He shouldn't have talked to you like that. I'm not with him. I'm doing my own thing. And if you want to come in and be my assistant Grand Sheik, you can. And I was like, whoa. Boom. I was like, wow, that was powerful. Powerful brother, so so I wind up telling him I was like, uh, you know, thank you for the offer. I'm glad that you see me in that light, but I ain't been in this long enough to take on a position like that. I, I like I don't really know anything, and at that time I knew very little. Now I would do it. Now that I'm a decade in, I would do it. But then I was like, I can't do it. So he's like, all right, well. I'm not with him no more, and if you want to link and you want to be a member or whatever, we could do it, but we ain't going to have nothing to do with him. So I think that after the situation that I had on a conference call with the SGS, I'm thinking that maybe uh, Sheik Melchizedek and the SGS, which was Kasadiel, had had some type of disagreement later on down the line. So, And it happens. Um it's the flesh. It's the murky ethers of the flesh. Man is flawed, including me. Not just these two brothers, but we're flawed. And it's that truth and falsehood strangely mixed, meaning, you know, it's that higher self and lower self mixed together. And that's and that's your foe, man, fighting that lower self. The battle is which is is with yourself, it's with your lower self. So, you know, so that's what I mean when I say it's the flesh. And that's not my portion. That's what was taught by Prophet Noble Drew Ali. Let me say that. All right. Let me be clear. It's the Prophet that taught that. So I'm just drawing from the Prophet, which I think that's a, that that's a great portion. It's a great portion. It's all wise, right, and exact. And, um, you know, the battles with yourself. You see? The murky ethers of the flesh. And that lower self can be something. If you don't tame it, it can be... It, it can be a deep demonstration, I'm telling you. All right, so that was the thing with the, uh, you know, with the SGS of that grand body and and uh, Sheikh, uh, uh, Sheikh Divine Minister uh, Melchizedek Hajar Il. 
So from there, I wind up linking with the Amexamore Empire out in the Houston city territory. All right. And the way that I met some of those brothers was, if I can remember correctly, I believe Sarasut and Seti had had a lecture that he was given or a presentation or a demonstration at the Shape Center in Houston, Texas in the Third Ward. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Houston was one of the dates that said he had because said he was said he had had a tour that he was going on, a lecture tour. And he had a bunch of cities on the tour. and Houston was one of the dates. So he came to the Shape Center and I was in attendance, not because I subscribed to what's taught by Sarah Sutusetti, but because I look at these events, no matter who's facilitating, I look at these events as an opportunity to network. And the icing on the cake would be if it's somebody that's from my school of thought demonstrating, it's like, man, I get to listen to them and network. So it's a double whammy. But said he was demonstrating, but I just came to network and try and, and link with other conscious people in the city. They didn't necessarily have to subscribe to the teachings of the illustrious prophet Noble Drew Ali as long as they was conscious and we could kind of come to some kind of common ground. Because it's one thing to be around unconscious Asiatics, 85ers, versus being around those that's conscious, but they may not be from your school of thought. I'd rather be around somebody that's conscious who's not from my school of thought than to be around the 85, you see? And I don't mean that in a condescending way, all right? I mean that in the best way possible. So Seti was demonstrating, and I met Amor at the function who was calling himself Amari Bay. Brother had a fez on. Brother had a shirt on that said more. So we linked. I wasn't wearing a fez. I was wearing a kufi, a red kufi. So we, him and I linked. We talked. Of course, I seen the fez. I approached him and I was like, hey, brother, you Moorish. You demonstrate Moorish. I do too. I've been looking to link with some Moors. Where'd you get the fez at? This is what I, this is how I was coming. And the brother was forthcoming. He he told me where to get a fez. He told me who they were, who he was. He was like, they're the Maximore Empire. You know, uh, ETC, where they are at in Houston, what their location is, and that I could come in and join the family, so to speak. This is what the brother was saying. So as I start to come around and link with these brothers, I'm, I'm seeing that the character portion of what Noble Drew Ali taught was really missing. I mean, really, really missing. These brothers was Negroes and Fezzes. They was Negroes, Blacks, and Colored folks and Fezzes from a character standpoint. Not that they're not Moors, because all of our people are Moors. Noble Drew Ali said, come all ye Asiatics of America, come in here and learn the truth about your nationality, 
and birthrights for ye are not Negro, black, or colored, because those names was what? Given to slaves during the slavery era of time, but it is a new era of time now, ETC. So I'm not saying they're Negroes status-wise, but from a character standpoint, that is exactly what they was acting like. Negroes, blacks, colored folks, coons, shines. I mean, you, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe somebody wearing some light on their head, somebody wearing refinement, and then they behave themselves like that. And I was kind of new in the teachings, and I knew that that wasn't proper, right? So I'm seeing that, and then I'm, and then we're coming into conflict because they started having some unfavorable things to say about Prophet Noble Ali and the Morris Science Temple of America, how how the Morris Science Temple of America is a religious corporation. And they were right because the way it was filed, it was filed as a corporation. It was filed as a civic organization, but it, it has letters and papers of incorporation. And then the religious affidavit was added, changing the complexity of the organization. So they was right in that sense. But where I was coming from was what was taught was nationhood. So don't don't just write Noble Drew Ali off as somebody that filed a religious corporation and then that's it. It's just spookism from here on out. No. He incorporated the Morris Science Temple of America within this government, but the end game is nationhood. It's nation building. You see? And my position also was many entities that's for liberation or that become countries and big corporate giants start out as small corporate filings, start out as corporations. Like if you look at the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, all right, that was an organized group, lawfully chartered. They didn't. You know, they weren't a nation. They weren't this big empire. They started out small and look at the work that they were doing. When you look at the United States of America, right, as a country, the Union States Society, the 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 USA, United States of America, ETC, when you look at how they began, they weren't always a united front. They were separate colonies, all governed separately, and they only came together when they were meeting for to hold the Continental Congress. But they were governed separately, had separate currencies, separate constitutions, ETC. So when you look at them, before they became United Front or United States, they was colonies. Before they became colonies, they were trading posts, the Dutch trading posts, the Dutch fur traders, ETC. And then prior to that, these were navigation companies. You could look it up. So the point that I'm making is nobody just jumps right to being where they want to be in the end. Nobody just comes out, wake, wakes up one morning and say, hey, we're a country. It's steps. And Noble Jali took the steps. So it's nothing wrong with with being a religious corporation or having some kind of liberation organization. 
And this is what Noble Drew Ali was bringing. So for the Maximar empires to say, oh, that's a religious corporation. Like, that's nothing. And without putting into context why Noble Drew Ali did what he did, I felt like that was irresponsible. So we had gripes there. We had gripes there with that. And they also was, was pushing division. Saying we don't deal with Moors in the temple. Moors in the temple are Christians. And I'm like, whoa. All of our people are Moors, brother. All of our people are Moors. And you yourself, you was just in Christianity last week. You was just a Christian last week. Not literally, but I mean, there was a time when we didn't know. We didn't know any better always. You see? Because I was new in this. I know he hadn't been in it that long after dialoguing with him and his camp. And there was a time when you didn't know. But see, that ego, that ego was something. You see? So we had that. And then I found later that the brother was selling paperwork off of RV Bay Publications. This is the brother who was calling himself Amari Bay. I found out that he was doing that. And the way that I found out is he tried to sell me something. And I was like, well, why would I buy something off of you when I could just study and do it on my own? Just just tell me how to do it and I'm going to do it myself. I'm not paying for nothing from you. And then that became a problem. So he didn't want to instruct me. He told me a few things, but didn't want to tell me nothing else. These brothers be doing that. They be on some Masonic stuff when we supposed to be out here liberating. Ain't no secrets. All right. Things are sacred, but ain't nothing a secret. You understand? This is about liberating the people. If you really, really stand on what you say that you stand on. If you a swinging tassel, right? Your tassel ain't in bondage, meaning that this is the free man's degree. All right. We ain't trying to limit the information. So when, so when I seen that, and I mentioned it to some of his folks, like, yo, he trying to sell me some some paperwork, then they start mentioning who else he done did it to, who else he done done it to, and then it just became chaotic. You know, we was fussing, disagreeing, the Negroisms coming out of brothers, right? So then there was another more who was from Louisiana. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he called himself Stalkmore. You got all these, you got all these fake guys. I'm not gonna say fake Moors because all our people are Moors, but you got all these fake, fraudulent guys faking, and they and they don't really subscribe to what Noble Drelli bought. They just come, they just coming as Moorish, but to do Negroisms, to do their niggerdom, which is to peddle paperwork. So this guy Stalk Moore, who was from Louisiana, the brother Amari Bay bought him around. And come to find out, the brother Stalk Moore had, had sold him some paperwork, had sold Amari some paperwork that apparently didn't have the effect that the brother Stalk Moore told him that it would have. So then you had Amari Bay trying to do the same thing to other people, I guess, to kind of redeem what he lost. It was just a bunch of confusion. And the brother Amari Bay was mad at me for mentioning that to his folks, but yeah, I'm gonna bring it to your camp because those are the ones that you're gonna listen to. You ain't you ain't listening to nobody else. You're you're unreasonable, you're hard headed, 
stiff-necked, stubborn like a mule, you see? So, and just, you know, that situation had reached its climax. And after I had this situation, I was actually ready to come back east, which is where I came from. You see, because where you are means a lot. You know, that plays a part in how you get along with people because there's a certain mentality in these various regions. I mean, there's a certain mentality. So, and I was just ready to come back, uh, back east. All right. So, um, so time is of the essence. So we're going to end uh segment one and then we're gonna pick up in segment two all right so this is episode two segment one and then we're gonna pick up episode two segment two uh in just a bit all right <laughs>